This is Play-By-Play Cast. Is that faster than a greyhound? The podcast about play-by-play guys. For play-by-play guys, by I'm told, a play-by-play guy. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Now here's the host of Play-by-Play Cast, Todd Bodet. Wait, the Motel 6 guy? We'll leave the light on for you. No, Joel Godet. Joe Godet. Joel. Joe. Joel? Joel, with an L. Okay, here's your host, Joel Godet. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. All right, this is Play by Playcast. It's the 119th edition of the pod. Thanks, as always, for clicking subscribe or download, however you've found this year's podcast, on whatever outlet you have found it via iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else on the interwebs. My name is Joel Godet. As always, you can find this podcast on social media as well, at PXPCast. You can find me at Joel Godet, or you can shoot me an email, J-G-O-D-E-T-T, at BSU.edu. It's a podcast about play-by-play broadcasters for play-by-play broadcasters, hosted by the Play-by-Play Broadcaster. It's a professional development podcast that dives into the chips, tricks, experience, process, stories, and preparation of some of the biggest and best play-by-play announcers in the business. And before we get to today's guest, Roy Philpot from ESPN, uh, what a week it was had a chance to broadcast a football game from Notre Dame Stadium this past Saturday. And it was awesome. A couple of things off the top. Number one, when you go to Notre Dame, everybody's super nice. Everybody will say, hi, welcome to Notre Dame, no matter who they are or where they are. And then they're like, they go out of their way to help you. There's these guys that drive golf carts around the stadium for like coaches and things to shuttle them back and forth to the booth and to the locker room. Um, well, at Notre Dame Stadium, the radio booth is on one side, the TV booth is on the other side of the field, two separate press boxes. So Rich Spizak, my analyst, and I wanted to go over and visit the TV booth, say hi to Mike Tirico. Rich wanted a picture with Doug Flutie, um, but it was going to take us a while to get there. We walk downstairs, we go, hey, how do we get there? Just point us in the direction. They go, hey, hop on the golf cart, we'll drive you, and we'll wait for you out front when you come on down. So like, we had literally like personal Uber service from our press box uh, over to the other side of the stadium to, to uh, go see the TV guys. So that was cool, number one. Number two, when you walk on the field, it's just cool. And it doesn't feel big. Like, it's not overbearing. There's 80,000 people in the stadium. And I was only on the field when it was empty. But it, it it's, it's a slow-rising stadium, and the press box doesn't feel like it's going to collapse on top of you. So it... It's huge, but has this cozy feeling as well, which I think is kind of the aura and the mystique of the place. It was a lot of fun. And calling a game from there, really cool. Like, anytime you say Notre Dame and you're at Notre Dame, there's just something about it. But I will admit, once the game starts, that all kind of just goes away. Like, you're just calling a game. So, uh, at the end of the day, awesome experience, awesome place, but it just kind of, you go to work. It just becomes another day. And then uh, when you go into it hoping for, like, 10 good minutes of, of football, you're like, listen, I just I want to get a good stretch of tape out of this. Uh, and then you get 60 good minutes of football, and you almost win. Uh, that becomes a really, really cool day because the Ball State Cardinals uh, not only could have won, probably should have won going on the road to take on the Irish this past Saturday. So uh, that was my last week. Back on the road tomorrow. They'll be taking on Indiana in Bloomington, so a chance uh, for another good shot at a, uh, a Power 5 school this week for the Cards. Uh, all right, let's get into it with this week's guest. Roy Philpot 
joins us from ESPN. We haven't had a bunch of network guys on lately. We've gone uh, team voice route over the last several episodes, but uh, back to the network ranks this week and next week. Uh, Rich Hollenberg, also from ESPN, will be with us next week. Uh, Let's talk about Roy. And we start with a conversation we haven't had with many broadcasters on this podcast in recent weeks, and that is the how did you get to where you are now podcast Take us or question. Uh, take us on your journey. And Roy has, as virtually everybody on this podcast has, a nearly irreplicable story. Uh, he went to Clemson University, was not a broadcast major. Uh, he graduated with a bachelor's in science, bachelor's of science in computer engineering from Clemson. Um, did not get into television or play-by-play immediately. He was in radio. Uh, he worked for Scout.com. He eventually became the football, or rather the uh, basketball, women's basketball, and baseball radio voice for Clemson, his alma mater. Did high school and some college football games as well, some minor league baseball for a local ABC affiliate in North Carolina, and eventually found his way to ESPN, uh, where he's been for the last four years. He joined the network five years, joined the network in 2013. So we'll talk about a lot of different things with Roy, because he does college football, college basketball, uh, he does college baseball as well, so we can dive into the particulars of what he looks for in a good broadcast, uh, we will dive into working with an analyst, talking about social media, and how announcers use it, and broadcast from it while they're on location, different things like that, how you can use social media differently. Uh, we'll dive into a lot of different conversations with Roy today, but we do start with that journey question and how he uh, meandered throughout his career, particularly late in his career, when he made the decision to go into play-by-play uh, to, to get that route and to get to the mothership and ESPN. So that is where we start today with Roy Philpot, kind enough to join us on episode 119 of PXPCast. Oh, it's long and winding. I did start out with, uh, with Scout.com. It was originally called The Insiders. And basically, I, I was working... In corporate America, right out of college, I went to Clemson. I graduated graduated with a degree in computer engineering, and uh, and just couldn't stand it. Like I was just miserable, and I knew I was in the wrong position. So, I started a website. It was called cutigers.com uh, back in 2001, and, and started as a writer, and did that for a couple of years. And then I started another website that covered the Dallas Cowboys because I was living in Dallas at the time, and. And Scout.com kind of had my back on that, so they assisted me. And so I started out as a, just a, a sports writer and really enjoyed it and, and was able to do that full-time and considered myself very, very lucky. And then uh, got an offer to do some radio work uh, because a guy thought I had a decent voice, and he ended up becoming a really good friend of mine, and we started doing radio in Clemson. And so from there, um, started doing daily sports talk shows. I was still writing and, and really was working three jobs at once just to try to make it all work. And it was working out very well. I did that for a long time and then had an opportunity to call a, a volleyball match on the old ACC select back in, I don't know, 2008, 2009. And from there, you know, my, my broadcasting career started and it was funny. The first time I ever walked into a gym just to do volleyball, I, I just remember this surge of adrenaline and I just kind of looked around and I was like, wait a second. Oh, so I wasn't supposed to work in corporate America. I wasn't supposed to be a writer. Oh, actually, I'm supposed to call games. And it just it clicked in like two seconds. And I said, well, I, I got to get better at this. I got to figure this thing out. So I started calling people and, 
you know, I like, like yourself, just, just networking and trying to figure out, okay, how can I do more of this? And, you know, it was, uh, it, it's not easy, you know, when, when, when you kind of make that decision and then you hope that you have the talent, but I made the decision and for about three or four years, did some digital work, did some local high school football games on an ABC affiliate. And then after about four or five years of doing that, I finally had the guts to send in a demo tape to, uh, to ESPN. And, and so, you know, that's how, that's how I got started. It was a weird and winding road to get there. And honestly, I wish I probably would have started a little bit earlier, but if I hadn't, I, I wouldn't be, um, which is I don't where, think where I am today as far along as I am. So I think in a weird way, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky that uh, it's turned out the way that it has, you know? Yeah. How old were you when you started doing play-by-play or I guess made the decision like this is my route. I'm going to, I'm going to sell out and go for it. Well, I was born in 75 and that was 2008 and really 09. So, I mean, I, I was kind of a late bloomer. I mean, I was in my early thirties, I guess 32. Uh, yeah. 31, 32 was when I, first started doing it and I, I was like yeah this this is where we're going to go this is what I want to do how hard is it to take that leap of faith at that point in life well it, it you know it wasn't hard because I had a steady sports job already so if it didn't work out I was like okay I can just come in and I can do my radio stuff and I can still write and and that'll be what I do so it it, it was a leap of faith in the sense I, I put myself out there you know to ESPN or just the people that were hiring at IMG or then Learfield trying to get more work. But I, I still felt like I had a little safety net to drop back on, uh, having been, been a writer, you know, for seven or eight years. And then the fact that I, I guess this speaks to a lot of people that will like move to a market, try to ingrain themselves. You were ingrained in Clemson. That's got to lead eventually to what you did with Clemson in some respects, right? It, it, yes, that's exactly, that's exactly what happened. I, I graduated from Clemson. I had contacts there and having covered the program uh, for all those years, I, I knew the people in the video department, which was critical to know the director of video services, to have a relationship. I didn't just know him. I, I, you know, we were friends and we had a solid relationship. So uh, when, when they started coming online with doing digital broadcasts, you know, it, it was a no brainer for me. It was a no brainer for them because we knew each other and, you know, they knew that I did good work and I knew that they did good work. So, uh, I had positioned myself to where if there was ever any, you know, possibilities that, uh, that you know, that would be the direction I would go. And, and here's the thing. You know, one of my first E3 games I had, ESPN3 games, was a Clemson basketball game. I was like, it was their season opener, I don't know, maybe in 2012. And that essentially served as my demo reel. And so that was kind of the, that was kind of the, the pass to say, okay, I'm doing this. This is what I'm going to build my my reel off of, and you send it into the network, and you know see if they like it. And if they do, great. If they don't, okay. Well, you you know you're not going to be working there. <laughs> <laughs> what came uh, What came easiest to you about play by play, and what was the hardest thing for you to grasp when you started out doing it? The easiest thing was the emotion. It's like I told you that volleyball for the first time I ever called anything. I, I had this surge of adrenaline just walking into an arena with 800 people. And I was like, man, I haven't felt like this since I was last played competitive high school sports, you know, it was football or soccer. And so just the emotion of it, I, I tend to be people that know me very well. I'm an emotional person. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I get really excited. Uh, and, and so that part of it, the excitement of doing it was really, really easy. The hardest part initially was just the pace of everything, you know, particularly in a volleyball match. It's, you know, point set, you go, and, you know, it just, it just moved really, really quick. 
And I remember, you know, hearing people cheering and everything and it kind of distract you for a moment. And so just making those adjustments were one thing. And then the further you kind of move along and the more you do it, as you know, the prep that it takes to get ready for, for just anything is just so intense and detailed. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that we ever perfect that craft, but that, that, that's always the challenge is to just engulf yourself in a game and to make sure that you've got all your I's dotted and T's crossed so that you, you, you know what's going on no matter what happens. What was your approach to, to getting good at it all? Um, you know, because I, I think back to like when I'm in college, like I'm going out making tapes at high school, but like that's all I'm worried about. I didn't have a job on the side, I, a job on the side. I didn't have a job. Um, like what was kind of your approach in terms of if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it and I'm going to improve and I'm going to get better. But at the same point, I've got life to live over here as well and make sure I'm getting the right balance so that I don't I don't uh, neglect the things I've got to do over here. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um I mean, I, when I started getting more work, I, I really made it a point to let people that were uh, in the industry that had done it for a long period of time, to let them know, hey, th- this is what I'm doing. This is what I want to do. I, I kind of want to be you. Would you mind listening or watching and just kind of giving me some feedback? And that, that's always a really painful exercise, you know, because... I think we're, we're all, um, we're kind of like coaches, you know, we, we kind of have these egos and you think, Oh, I should be doing this or that or this game. And, and then for somebody to come in and just criticize you, well, you know, how dare they, you know, so that, so I I reached out to people that had uh, done uh, national sports talk radio, national games, say, Hey, will you watch this and just, just tell me whatever you think. And, um, and that was really that that was helpful. Of course, I went back and listened to a lot of the things. I don't do a ton of that now. I probably should do it more, but you just get so busy, you know, you don't have the time to do it. But you know, feedback and then you know, self critique, uh, listening to other people, uh, which is you know, I, I do that to this day. You never want to emulate or copy anybody, and certainly don't try to do that. But you just listen for little voice inflections or mannerisms or certain commentary from folks to try to improve uh, at your craft. But, you know, back then you, you're just, I, I was like a sponge. I'm just looking for any way to improve. I will talk to anybody. I will send an email to anybody, you know, kind of like the cold call email. Did a lot of that. Hey, what do you think of this? Just, just let me know and, and just tell me where I'm just totally, you know, off base or, or not in tune with what makes sense. And so I did a lot of that when I first got started. And then after a while, you're, you kind of develop a certain level of confidence to where, hey, this is my style and this this is who I am. I don't ever want to be somebody I, you know, pretend to be somebody I'm not on air, and just roll with it. And then you know, as each game passes, you gain more confidence. And I think with that confidence, you got to have it. Uh, you're you're, you're going to naturally get better over time. What was the most helpful and or most crushing uh, piece of advice that you got in those early calls and and conversations? Um, you know, that, that's a good question. Uh, I used to get a lot of feedback from family members. And so they would watch, let's say, uh, some of my, uh, high school football games on the, on the ABC regional. Uh, and it's just, it was just a, a small little network in South Carolina and North Carolina. And it would get pointed out to me, Hey, you, when the guy throws the ball on the flats, you're, you're saying, uh, out there every single play. And so what I was doing is the ball would go to a receiver and he would catch it 
and I would say number 85 out there, and I was using the phrase out there to find out who the receiver was on my depth chart or on the, on, on the roster, and I was doing that all the time. I had no idea. So there was some of that that would happen where you would just repeat phrases too often, and I, and I don't like to do that, so that's something I always fight. And that, that, that was crushing just to hear that. And there were some other things like that along those lines. And then, uh, you know, as far as, as being helpful – um, you hear this a lot from people in our profession where it's, you know, it's like I just said, you just want to be yourself. You don't want to try to pretend to be Ben Scully. I'm not Ben Scully. I'm not Al Michaels. I'm not Brad Nessler. I'm, I'm Roy Philpott. And so uh, I have my own little unique mannerisms and quirks. And it took me a while to kind of understand, well, wait a second. I kind of want that to come out on air. You know, I, I am emotional. I do take chances. I, I do like to think that I have more personality. Well, if that's who I am, then that's who you need to be on air, and that's going to be the best the best version of you. So that, and then you know, like some technical things, uh, as far as you know, uh, certain verbiage. You know, you, you again varying your language. You don't have to say the same thing over and over, and it's also okay to be creative. I remember one time, uh, free safety in one of those high school football games caught a caught a, intercepted a pass about forty yards down the field, and you know the ball just was in the air forever and it was kind of wobbling and I called him a center fielder, you know, making a catch. And I had a lot of my mentors after that, that were, I sent them that tape and they watched it and said, Hey, that that's good. It's okay to, to kind of say things that are a little different and not that that's that different, but just, it's okay to walk down that road and you can walk down a little further if you want to just to differentiate yourself. And so that, you know, yeah, you want to be different, and so I think that's one thing I learned from from them at that time. It's okay to be a little different and to make sure you're being yourself. When did you realize that you were of the level that you, you know, when did you realize that, like, when did you think you could be an, an ESPN broadcaster? It's an interesting dilemma because we always feel like we're there. When did you realize that you were that good? And when did you find out that you actually were that good? I don't think I've realized that to this day. Um, I don't, I mean, I really haven't. I, 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 it's almost like I've, I've been full time with ESPN for four years and I don't let that sit in. I don't let it sink in. I just, and I do that just because that's one of the ways I, I stay motivated. You know, it, it's, it's always, I got to get better. I have to stay sharper. I, I would I would tell you this, Joel, there was, um, when the guy that hired me, hired me to do uh, just a couple of games uh, five years ago. Um, it, there, there was a moment there where I was like, oh, holy crap, this, this is getting ready to happen, and I can't believe it. Mm. And it, it goes back to the, what I just told you about with the demo reel. As, you know, one of my first digital games, I felt good about it. I sent it in to him uh, in just an email, and it, it, was, it was nothing wrong. There was nothing detailed. I said, hey, this, this is the game I just called. Um, I'm curious to see if this is something you guys like. And that, that's really all I said. I, there was no detailed resume or anything. It was like, hey, here I am, uh, you, you know, love me or hate me, you know, whatever. Um, hope to hear from you, something very short. And about a month or two later, I got an email back and it said, hey, from this guy. He's like, hey, I, I just left your voicemail. And I'm like, what? <laughs> this guy's emailing me? Are you, are you kidding me? And so I, go, I run to my phone and I, I check the voicemail. He's like, hey, give me a call. So I call him back. All this happens in the span of like three or four minutes. And when I call him back, I hear my voice in the background. And so he's, he's, he's watching, you know, what I said and just telling you that story right now gives me goosebumps. So I'm like, okay, so I, I don't suck. I'm, I'm not that bad. 
He was like, yeah, you know, uh, Roy, he goes, hey, it's not, it's not bad. It's not bad work. Um, he goes, I can't really meet with you now, but, you know, maybe five or six months from now, uh, let, let's try to, to meet up and, uh, and, you know, we'll see if we can, you know, put you on a depth chart or we'll see if there's anything available. And at this point, I'm so excited. Yo, I'm just, you know, my heart's beating down on my chest. I, I can't even, I can barely move. I can barely function. So we hang on the phone. I'm like, that's great. All right, that's April, man. I'm, I'm going to get back in touch with this guy. And then when you know it, about three weeks later, I get an email and he says, hey, can you do these two games for me? Mm-hmm. And so when that happened, there was a sense of, oh, oh, yeah, I, I probably can do this. And, yeah, I've got more confidence, obviously, and feel better about it now, years later, four or five years later. But that was a moment for me. But to your other question, like when you know, when did it sink in that you're at this level or whatever, it, it still hasn't sunk in. And I don't think it ever will. I honestly, and and I don't know that I really wanted to because I think at that point, I kind of let my foot off the gas, and I don't, I don't continue to try to improve and get better the way that I like to. So that's again, that's one of my weird quirks. That's just kind of how I function and how I'm built. Uh, But that first call, I got to tell you, that ranks right up there with with getting married and, and having children as far as just cool things in my life. It was pretty sweet. I feel like the question that, like, anytime I've done anything that is of a, a, a bigger level, um, I mean, it could have been like I did, when I did the CrossFit games and it was on Facebook, um, people were like, oh, that's amazing. How did you get that? So my, my and, and I feel like there's never like a, there's never a definitive answer that is like a, a pleasing answer. It's always like a convoluted, drawn out process of emails and things. Uh, yeah. So, so when you, when you look back at how that process played out for you and, and, climbing your way up at ESPN. Um, how did, how did, I guess the question would be, how did, how do you get to work at ESPN? And, and is it one of those things where it's really just the process and you've got to let it play out and you've got to do good work and you've got to get it in front of the right people, then kind of bide your time and things will come. Yeah. I, I think I, you know, and I, I listen to this podcast a lot. Um, it, it, everybody kind of writes their own story. I mean, it's, I, I'm a computer engineering major with a minor in mathematical sciences from Clemson. They, they don't have a broadcast school. And I, I call games, football, basketball, baseball games full-time for ESPN. That's my job for a living. I've done it for the last four years. That, that, I mean, just that to connect those dots, it's, um, it's really, really wacky. There, there's a lot of guys like me, as, as you know, that went to Newhouse, Syracuse or Missouri or Northwestern or other great journalism schools. And they, they did it the, uh, you know, the hard way, if you will, and uh, you know, kind of uh, grinded their way up through the position. I, I, you know, that's a way to do it as well. I, I, I think overall, uh, in terms of being on television, there, there's a lot of things that, that come into play maybe that, that normal people don't think about. I mean, technically, you can be perfect as a play-by-play man, but that doesn't mean you're the best of your craft there's intangibles that come along with it. So that doesn't mean that ESPN would hire the perfect broadcaster. There's personality. Um, there's a look. Uh, you know, I, I would credit uh, my wife, Abby, for assisting me in kind of upgrading <laughs> my look. The last, I'm serious. Yeah, like, no, yeah. and, and nobody wants to talk about that. Right? Nobody wants to talk about, well, how does it look? The, the first guy that hired me to do any kind of television it was to do high school football at ABC affiliate. And, and he called me up and he's like, Hey, somebody recommended you. And he goes, you know, you just don't break into television. I'm like, yeah, I know. And he goes, well, what do you look like now? Now that was back in, you know, 2009. So, and and it's, it, maybe it's not as close to do it now, 
But the fact of the matter is, if you're going to be a broadcaster, you know, it doesn't hurt if you're easy on the eyes. And it's not that I'm necessarily that, but I can't. No, but you got to have the right suit, in. and you got to have the. Like, it's got to yeah. fit right. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta you, you gotta have that uh, a little bit of a look to you, and a little bit of an edge. That that's not going to hurt things. So, you know, there's there's a lot of little check boxes that you want to try to do your very best at. Maybe um, that isn't spoken to. You, you got to be a nice person. You know, you got to be able to help other people out. And and you know, in, in live television or as you know, in radio and the things that you've done, inevitably something goes wrong on a broadcast. Inevitably, something breaks, or there's you know a short, or the ISO monitor goes out, or you know the phone line goes out on a radio broadcast. The internet connection goes down, and uh, there's some broadcasters out there that would absolutely lose their mind and, and almost you know just have a, a, a breakdown of sorts. Well, you can't do that. So you know, when you get your foot in the door, you, you got to be a nice person to work with, and understanding, and forgiving, and you know be able to you know, handle criticism, do those kinds of things. So th- those things go along with that in, in getting, a, I, I think, a national job. And, you know, I would tell you, too, timing has a lot to do with it. Uh, you know, if if a network or if a school is hiring, you, you got to be in the right place at the right time and, and have those right connections. And people say in this business all the time, you know, it's not about what you know or how talented you are, it's, it's who you know. But that's a big part of it, too. You know, if you're wasting networking opportunities, you're wasting an opportunity to get uh, the job that you want. So uh, all those things. And then, you know, mentioning how you look or how you sound, just the overall it factor. I've heard that a lot um, in the jobs that I've had, you know, that not necessarily that I have it, but that that's what they look for is, you know, you come on camera and you're, you're happy to be there and you're high energy. You, you kind of look the part, and uh, you just got this welcoming warmth about you that makes people engage and it makes them want to watch. And I think in our business, we we probably don't talk about that those kinds of things enough. Th- th- those things are important, and uh, you know, especially in the social media crazy world we live in, any, anything that happens that's not like that it can go viral. So. <laughs> Um, it, 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 it's all of those things, no doubt. It's all those things, and, and probably even more uh, to, to, to you know to make it all happen. What's the feedback system like at ESPN? How much do you hear about what you've done, good or bad, or is it one of those things where if you don't hear anything, that's good, and, and as long as the games keep coming in? <laughs> yeah, if, if if you don't hear a ton, it's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, you know, I, I think at at the ESPN level, they know that okay, if if we brought you in, that you've got talent and, and you kind of check the boxes that we just discussed. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I certainly have messed up and I, I certainly have gotten emails just like everybody else where, Hey, you know, you probably could have done this a little bit better or you know, this wasn't as smooth as it needed to be. Uh, that certainly happens. I don't think it, you know, it doesn't happen often. And when it does, you're, you're very respectful of it. I always say is anytime I get feedback from anybody uh, that, that has a say in any games I get, I'm very respectful and appreciative. I just tell them, Hey, thanks, man. I, I didn't know we did that or it didn't come across that way here. But now that we know, uh, you know, I, you better damn be sure that's never going to happen again. So uh, not a ton of feedback. And I think that's kind of the industry or the, the, the standard uh, with us. And, you know, if, if you hear something good, you, you, you love it. If you hear something bad, you, you correct it and you move on and, and you say, thank you. Can I have another please? <laughs> What's most important to you when you're watching, I guess when you're watching yourself back, first and foremost, um, what's, and I, I pick the sport, um, what's most important to a quality 
television product um, if you had an ABC of, of what you want to see when you hit a tape? Well, the easy answer is accuracy. You want to be accurate. In, in football, there's so many moving parts and there's so many things that change. And, you know, if you're out west, a lot of times the broadcast booth is so far away from the field and you're just, you know, trying to make sure you got everything correct all the time. That's impossible. But, you know, number one, play by play, that's what you want to do. For me, though, I mean, that's kind of a given, I think, with everybody. For me, I go back to excitement. I, the second I walk into a venue, and, and in football, it's probably three hours before kick. I'm stoked, and I mean, I'm 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 buzzing. You know, it's it's uh, not that I have to try to calm myself down, but I'm so excited, and I can't wait to call a game. And I I want that more times than not to resonate on the air. Now, it's 75 nothing in the middle of the third quarter. <laughs> honestly, I'm not going to be as excited as what I would be in 37-33, right? And so that you don't want to overdo it. As I like to say, you don't want to overcook the ham, but um, I I want to make sure that when it when it's warranted, warranted, I want to be as excited as I feel, and so I like that energy. Maybe, maybe energy is a better word, high energy. And so when I go back and listen, I'm listening for that. I'm making sure that I'm accurate. Uh, I'm making sure that I'm not talking too much. And I think when I first got started. Uh, I was doing some of that to where as soon as my analysts quit talking, I'm just jumping in. And in the heat of the moment, I was like, it sounded right. And that helped create some of the energy. I thought that I was looking for my broadcast and I went back and listened. I'm like, Whoa, man, that that's not good. You, it sounds like you're trying to talk over the guy you're working with. And I didn't want to do that. And so you know, now I, I make sure that when they're done talking, uh, unless it's just something absolutely critical, hey, let it breathe. Take a step back. It's okay. You got plenty of time to do your thing. And, uh, you know, in, in football, I, I don't have to go down and distance and time on the clock and score before every single play, especially on television. Pictures do the majority of, of the talking there. So fill in the blanks where it's necessary. So, you know, those, those would be some of the things for our open world on camera, high energy, smiling, happy to be there and make sure that, again, my internal energy is coming across uh, on camera because I, I want our viewers to be excited about what's getting ready to happen as well. What's your uh, pregame prep like in terms of a, a, an analyst work as well? Like if, I mean, if you're, I guess, with Tom during football season or whoever else you're working mm -hmm. with in, in any other sport, uh, how much will you powwow and what about before a broadcast so that you know what he's thinking so that you can best set him up? Oh, man, that's a great question. I mean, football is so different than basketball. I, football, basketball and baseball are games, and football, it's an event, and it's a week-long death march to get ready for these games because, uh, you know, they're different teams every week. We usually have different conferences every week, so – we generally start out on the flight home on Sunday. I, you know, I'll look at game notes for the teams coming up next week, you know, kind of a standard play-by-play -play answer, I would suppose. I go back and I at least watch the teams in their previous game, and I will watch the broadcast copy just to pick up on anything maybe that wasn't in the notes that, you know, I certainly don't want to miss for my upcoming game. Uh, we get our charts printed and emailed to us on Wednesday at noon Eastern. So I go pick those up and start filling in the blanks on uh, our spotting boards, you know, to make sure going into our meetings with the coaches that we know exactly what's going on. Yeah, you know, there's more studying and trying to memorize, key, you know, ball carriers, receivers, tacklers um, that Tuesday and Wednesday. 
Then Thursday, we're, we're flying. We're flying to wherever we're going, and we'll go to generally a Thursday walkthrough with the home team, me and Tom, where we're talking about all of our stuff uh, and kind of what we're thinking for the game. Normally, that's just me asking him a lot of questions and then me trying to be more of a football expert than I actually am and trying to convince <laughs> him of those those things, which is always a fun give and take. And Then Friday, it is a full day. We meet with both teams in person. We go to the final practice for the home team. If the visiting team is is also there and going for a walkthrough, we'll go to that. We'll do interviews with players, both coordinators and head coaches. So, I mean, literally that Friday before the game typically is just a, a, a grind of making sure we are fully engulfed in, in, in what's happening. We'll do a Saturday production meeting. Normally we have a late game on Saturday nights. We'll do that around noon Eastern on Saturdays where – uh, we get in, we're in touch and on the same page with our producer, director, graphics, and or sideline. Usually lasts about 30 minutes to an hour. And then we get to the game three hours before kick. And we, we kind of, on game day, outside for that production meeting, I make it a point not to have a lot of interaction with Tom. Huh. Uh, I, I, don't want, I don't want us to do any part of our show before the show itself, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, we, we have a generic idea of what we want to say and who he likes, who he doesn't like. Same thing for me. And it only goes to there because I, I, sometimes it's best, Joel, to get the real-time reaction in real time. I, I, don't want, I don't want to tell him, well, this is my take on what happened today at another game or what I think is going to happen in our game. I don't want to tell him that three hours before kick, and then he goes off. And then we can't get that same little mojo back in a game. So I always tell them, hey, let's, we don't talk a ton during breaks. Save it for the air. Save it for the air. So there's a ton of work that goes in. And then on game day, I, I don't want to get too deep into anything else because I want our on-air conversation to be you know, kind of that reality TV. And so I, I found that, uh, you know, that that works out well. And I'll tell you this, too. And I've said this before at our ESPN seminars to other play-by-play guys. I mean, you, you don't want to try to overtake the broadcast. That's the last thing you want to do. But I also don't want to underwhelm. And what, I'm, what I mean by that is this. It, it's okay for us as play-by-play guys to have opinions. And newsflash, it, it's okay to voice those opinions on the air. It, granted, the analyst is analyzing the game and has got more solid fundamental X's and O's opinions about what's happening in a game or what's happening nationally. Absolutely, and, and you respect that, but let me tell you, man, I watch a lot of film. I read a lot of articles. I've got a lot of opinions about what's going on, too. And if something's happening, well, I'm going to put it out there. Hey, well, this is kind of what I think. not going to take the broadcast over. It may be, you know, get in, get out, and you're done. But I, I think it's okay for us to, to get in there and mix it up a little bit more. And in the era that we live in, in social media, and everybody's got a hot take, I, you know what? I, I, I'm very comfortable in doing that. So I try to mix that in a little bit more. Uh, as well in some of our games, especially if it's not close, if it's not as competitive, we'll, we'll do some of those things. But uh, save your best stuff for the air, too. I, I'm a big believer in that. You, you can kind of build it up, but yeah, don't give it all away. Don't give it all away before kickoff. That sounds like the radio guy in you coming out, too, a little bit. And kind of is there a little talk show mentality in that? Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. And, um, you know, it, it, that comes from my unique path to get where I am. You know, I, I host a sports talk show three hours a day, every weekday for six or seven years. And, uh, I tell young broadcasters all the time, if you, if you can do that, uh, 
you can do anything because it was me talking in a microphone, trying to not be boring. And so uh, for all that period of time, and some days there's nothing going on. So if you can do that, you can do anything. But yeah, it definitely comes from that. And uh, again, I think that's something a little different that I bring to the table. I want to ask you about social media real quick too, um, before I let you go. Uh, And that's, you know, like if you scroll through your Twitter page, there's a whole bunch of videos with you, videos with you and your analyst. Uh, some of it is game related. Some of it is like a tour of the press box. There was the one Duke football where you were doing the sideline to sideline walk. Um, a la Jay Billis. Um, Mike Corey does that a lot too on Facebook where he'll like go around and he does like the local hot spots to eat in whatever city he's in. Um, how much of that is not mandated, but like, requested by ESPN where they want you guys to be inventive on social media and do things beyond the bounds of the lines and, and the whistles and just what you're doing on TV every week. Yeah, it's not mandatory. I mean, we certainly, we, we talk about it. Um, you know, I, I've always enjoyed doing it. Normally I put out a, a game prediction or two every week. And normally it's always wrong and I get blasted for it. <laughs> that, that's part of the fun in doing it. And, you know, I, I, I don't know that that's necessarily uh, the direction, you know, any national media network wants you to go, but it's I, it's something I have fun with, and I think it stimulates conversation. So, yeah, I mean, they, they like that stuff. I, I made it a point early last year to, to start doing more of those kinds of things, and, you know, they've done studies looking at videos and other uh, creative ways to just draw attention, draw views, and uh, generate more interest and in interaction involving games and you know, the social media stuff. I think it, it can be pretty slick. I, I've always been active on it. I, I'm kind of now just taking that direction of doing more videos and more of putting myself in front of, you know, my, my iPhone X and, and, and doing the things like you talked about our broadcast position at Duke or uh, we were at BYU this past week and, you know, I was showing the Y mountain and the elevations there in Provo, which I thought were pretty cool. It, it, it's something that if you are coming up through the ranks that I, I think is viewed favorably. If you're able to build a following and, uh, you know, you're, you're doing stuff that gets views, it doesn't have to go viral, but it just, it's, you know, it's a step in that direction. The people that make those decisions are interested in them and they want to see that you're comfortable in doing so. And, you know, I, I think five years from now, people are going to be doing that even more. And yeah. it's probably next level stuff. The weird thing is in social media, it's almost like the less, pre-produce the less pre-production or the less true professional production that goes into it the more people watch it right like <laughs> me just holding a selfie stick and i don't own one but you know me just holding my iphone 10 and, and and run around the press box like a crazy person and tom's yelling and we're watching the game and we're stoked like those kinds of videos are they're, they're you know they're funnier than what you would see for you know my jay bill's walk that uh that i did with the duke linebacker so uh, you know, it's I, I don't have it all figured out. I don't know that anybody does, but we just try to have fun with it, show a little personality, generate some interest, and um, you know, maybe by the end of this year, I'm better at it than than what I was, you know, before the start of the season. So yeah, it, people are doing it. Um, I think uh, I think our bosses enjoy it most of the time when we don't you know muck it up, but uh, it's fun. I like it. Uh, Roy, if people want to find you on social media, uh, speaking of it, uh, how do they track you down? And I, I guess where can they find you this weekend? Yeah, uh, on Twitter, at Roy Philpott, two T's on the end, and appreciate that plug. And This weekend, I'm hopefully going to be at South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina plays Marshall at home, trying to bounce back after a loss against Georgia, 730 
Saturday night on ESPNU, but Joel, that, honestly, that game could get moved or we, we don't really know. So we're waiting to see what happens with Hurricane Florence. So if you're listening right now, everybody out there, be careful and we'll see what happens. And, uh, you know, it's uh, football season's here. So everybody's happy down in this part of the country. I can tell you that. It's got the potential to turn into uh, one of those move it to Atlanta and all of a sudden you've got a flight two hours before kickoff kind of broadcast stories that you file in the in the book somewhere. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. And, that, and you know, you hope everybody stays safe, but that's yeah. also just the, uh, the randomness of this job. That's part of the fun of it, too. All right, that's Roy Philpott joining us here on PXPCast. And the game, as we recorded this, was still scheduled, but it will not happen anymore. Uh, Marshall and South Carolina on Saturday is canceled due to Hurricane Florence. Uh, and Roy lives down in South Carolina. So uh, best to him as that storm barrels in. And if you're listening to this, down in that region as well. Um, do stay safe as uh, Hurricane Florence comes through and uh, impacts uh, a lot of college football, but that's really not important in the long run. It impacts a lot of people. Um, so if you want to catch Roy Philpott, uh, check him out next week on ESPN, or you can find him on social media as well. As he said, he is uh, easily findable on social media. You can just look him up on Twitter at Roy Philpott, R-O-Y-P-H-I-L-P-O. T-T. Roy Philpott uh, joining us here for episode 119. Next week, Rich Hollenberg joins us. We will continue to talk about uh, ways to climb the ladder and uh, ways to find yourself at ESPN. Roy Philpott uh, took one route. Rich Hollenberg took a very distinctly different one. And we'll break that down next week here on PXPCast. But until then, we are out of time. So, for my producer, Joel Gadet, I'm Joel Gadet. See you next week here on Play by Playcast. We're out.